I like to remind people, whenever you read this Bible, hear it read, hear it taught in a Sunday school, or hear it preached from a pulpit like this, you want to remember, this is the eternal God of heaven revealing himself to you personally every time you hear it. There's something he wants you to know. There's something he wants you to feel. And there's something he wants you to do as a result. So what do we learn from uh, 1 Peter 1? That the message of Christmas is hope. Hope. How many of you hope to get something for Christmas? Come on, raise your hand if you hope to get a Do you know for sure you're going to get something? No? But you, oh, yeah, Dan knows that he's already got something, so he knows. But for the most part, we hope, but that's not a guarantee, is it? Sometimes you hope to get something for your birthday. Don't know for sure you're going to get it. That's not the kind of hope that God offers us in the Bible. The word hope that's here is called guaranteed assurance. You can take it all the way to the bank of heaven and cash it in and receive the benefit. He caused us to give a living hope when he caused us to be born again according to his mercy. None of us in our own nature, our own desire, or by our own will or by our own power, seek after God. The Bible says the Lord looked down to heaven to see if there was anyone who sought after God. If there was anyone who turned out of the way, behold, there was not one. No one. God came seeking us. God came searching for us. God came down to us. And that's why we celebrate Christmas, because it was God coming down to us. As Jim put, God humbling himself, being put into a human body as part of the Godhead. A living God constrained to a human body to reveal to us grace and truth. Titus tells us, when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth, the renewal by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Titus tells us, in hope of everlasting life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. God knew that we were going to need a gift of eternal life. He knew He was going to create us. And He knew that we were going to become sinful, rebellious against God, not desirous of the things of God. And the Bible tells us we were atheos, without God, apart from God, until we hear the word of truth. And God is revealed to us, and that we can draw near unto Him. This living hope was secured when our Lord Jesus Christ suffered excruciating pain and shame and was nailed to a cross and died and buried. But praise God, on the third day He rose again from the dead, living evermore. That's our hope, secured hope by His resurrection. 
In that hope, he gave us hope of an eternal inheritance. Romans 8 tells us, The Spirit himself testifies with our inner spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God. Now, get this one. And co-heirs with Christ. In the presence of God, when we receive Jesus as a personal God and Savior, God accepts us on the same level as his Son for all eternity. That's how humble Jesus became when he emptied himself, took upon himself the form of a servant. So we are co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. It's an inheritance that is, as he read, imperishable, undefiled, unfading, preserved in heaven. How many words does God have to give us to say it's guaranteed? If you'll simply believe it and receive it as a gift. What a shame that so many people try to say, you give them a gift. Oh, let me give you something. We, we just can't accept a, a free gift like that. We want to give back. But in our humility, if we really want the extremeness of God's richness and blessing, we have to humbly say, thank you, Jesus. I receive it. I take it as mine. And I love it. We are preserved to receive that inheritance, verse 5. And then we find we are purified by the testings of life. And they said, uh, if necessary, you're suffering grief for a little while through many testings. I remember as a kid, it's either 1953 or 1954, our first television Oh, it's a nice small one, you know, like that. But somewhere along the day, you would hear this. Beep! This is a test, but only a test, for the next 60 seconds. Stay tuned for more information. You know what God says? Beep! The next 60 years is a test, but only a test. Stay tuned for more information. That's why we have the Bible. That's why we come here week after week after week to get the more information, to be prepared for what God has prepared us for. Purifying our faith. To prove the genuineness of your faith. Did God need to know that? He already knew it. But the testings are for you and me to know for sure that our faith is genuine, that it's real, that we really are God's people, the sheep of his pasture, children by faith in Christ Jesus, not by any good works that we've done, not by anything that we've done, not by being baptized, not by giving money to the church, not by just simply joining a church, but simply believing that Christ died for our sins and was buried and rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. When you fully believe that and fully trust your life to that, that's when you have this guaranteed hope, the hope of an eternal inheritance with God, the testing of your faith. 
So that when we come and when the Lord Jesus Christ comes at the end of the ages, when he comes to reveal himself from heaven to the whole world and draw us unto him, when that happens, our faith will give praise and honor and glory to our great high king. Do you feel like rejoicing yet? You better be. Well, I praise God. That's worth rejoicing over. And again, he gave us the hope of grace when Christ is revealed. Verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The extension, the continued extension of God's grace. A nice acrostic. God's riches at Christ's expense. Unmerited favor. You don't deserve it. None of us do. We all are deserving of the wrath of God. And if we fully understand what the Bible says, we are condemned already because we have not believed in the name of Jesus Christ, God's only Son. Until you come to believe that, you're already condemned. That's why it gives hope for anyone who hears the word of God and believes and receives it. When we understand this, when we set our hope fully on that grace, it's going to be revealed. Then we can endure the testings of life. It enables us to prepare our minds for action. Prepare your mind for action. There's the response. There's something God wants you to do. Prepare your mind for action. Do the works that he ordained beforehand that you should do. We do good works not to gain God's favor, but because we've received God's favor. Then we're able to do the good works. To love your neighbor the same way you love yourself. To help someone else know and follow Jesus. To learn how to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. Preparing your mind for service. Service that's unto the Lord as you're serving people. What did Jesus say? In that you have done it unto the least of these, my brethren. You've done it unto me. A cup of cold water. A comforting hand. Comforting someone in sorrow when they're grieving the loss of a loved one or a dear friend. Or taking a meal to someone who's had surgery and having a difficult time. Or giving gifts to friends just because you love them so that they can be encouraged. That's doing the works of God. And then as we're told time and time again throughout the Psalms, go into the world. And make disciples. Proclaim what God has done day unto day. Tell of his wonderful works. What has God done? Well, yes, he created this whole universe. Spoke it into existence out of nothing. That's tough for human brains to comprehend. But once you can just accept it by faith, it becomes a true reality that you know that God created the heavens and the earth. Peter, Second Peter, warns that in the last days, people will say, ah, there is no God. 
He didn't create this. And they fail to recognize that the world was created by the Word of God. God's Word, God's promise. God's capable to fulfill His promise. Make provision for us. Grace that will be real, revealed when He comes from heaven. It also helps us to become stable-minded or steadfast. Paul, uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not for vain purpose. It's for the glory of God and the benefit of other people, of bringing many sons to glory. And that's why Christ came. He continues to give us hope in a holy life. Verses 14 to 17. As obedient children. We discussed this in Sunday school this morning. We were talking about this in our class. It reminds us of two things. Obedient children. It reminds us of our relationship with God. Children, trusting, needing to be obedient. I had to learn obedience. I was like Dennis the Menace. I spent a lot of time in the corner because I tended to be disobedient. But God taught me through those disciplinary actions, those time spent standing in the corner. You just stand there and think about this for a while and explaining why you're being disciplined and explaining why it's not acceptable. And learning from that. And praise God, I learned from it. And I rejoice in it. But we as children of God, we need to learn how to obey God. A man I was ministering to quite a few years ago in my previous church, he said, well, you recognize that the Ten Commandments aren't multiple choice. You can't pick and choose what you want to do. Book of James tells us if anyone keeps the whole law yet offends in one tiny point, he's guilty of all. Guess what? We're guilty of all. We have broken God's law because we failed to keep the first promise, the first command, to have no other gods before him. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And then to love your neighbors yourself, boy, that's the big one. That's what the next 60 years is training about, learning how to love your neighbor the same way you love yourself. Because love is the fulfilling of the law because it works no ill to its neighbor. He gave us hope in a holy life to be obedient to his commands. And his commands are not grievous. They're not burdensome. What are we challenged to do? To change our conduct away from earthly passions and emotions and feelings and to make our conduct controlled by holy passions. As it says in Psalm 19, verse 1, or no, the last verse, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength. And my Redeemer. 
And then Psalm 34, 7. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. When you put Jesus Christ first in your heart, in your mind and life, that in all things in your life, Christ has the preeminence. Your conduct becomes controlled by holy passions. You desire the things of God. You desire what God wants. You desire this word. I got saved on a Thursday, July 24th, 1965. Friday afternoon, my mother left work and bought me a Bible on the way home. And gave it to me. And I read myself to sleep that night. And the next night. And the next night. For the next whole year, I read myself to sleep every night reading the Word of God. Could not get enough of it. Still can't. God's Word is just so awesome. So full. So overflowing. The Bible tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who have learned to order their lives according to God's word have a good understanding. We want to make our conduct controlled by reverence for God. Reverence for the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. So God gave us hope in a holy life. He gave us hope in knowing that we were ransomed. We were ransomed. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He bought you with his body and his blood. He didn't pay silver or gold or anything else. He gave his body and his blood for you and for me. And he bought us. We are his. And yet he he owns us as a slave and as a servant. And what did he say to his disciples? You are my friends. He calls us his friends, even though he owns us and bought us. That's how much he loves us and he treats us as equals, as friends, the friend of God. The Lord Jesus Christ became my best friend in my senior year of high school. And praise God for that. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise given by the Holy Spirit. And once again, he reminds us, he gave us this hope when he raised Christ from the dead. The Bible tells us he was predetermined before the world began to come, but he came at the correct time. Hear this. When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship, being accepted as sons of God and daughters of God. We who are now believers have our faith and hope in God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the hope of the world. And hope is the meaning of Christmas. Hope is the message of Christmas. If you lack hope, turn to God who gives hope. Turn to the Word of God who will guide you to the living hope 
in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Eternal God, our loving Father, thank you, Lord, that the message of Christmas is hope. We have this hope of everlasting life, hope of an eternal inheritance, hope guaranteed by the resurrection of Christ from the dead, hope that reveals itself in a holy life. Thank you, God, for calling us to this, bringing us to it through the magnificence of your majesty, your honor, and your glory. Amen. Amen. As a response to this message of the hope we have in Jesus, let's stand and sing, What Can I Do? Your love.